Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Matt Morris. Hello. Okay. Now now our mics are working. Okay. Welcome. Thank you for having me. We are in my bedroom. Yes. <laughs> Very unprofessional podcast. <laughs> this is how we like to do it. With like my pile of cords. I didn't even yeah. have like a, anything in a bag. No, this is this is I'm I'm the same way with my organization or anything technical. So. There is no organization. Yeah. yeah. How are we? How do, what do we say? You're a photographer and a winemaker. So that's the most. Do we have a title? That's <laughs> uh, that's the most difficult thing that I come across with just anybody is mm-hmm. the constant question is like, what do you do? <laughs> you do both of those things, or I do both of those things. But people, people, or they'll think that the wine is my main thing, and mm-hmm. I'm a, I do photos as a hobby, but like. Mainly, I, I used to make uh, uh, documentaries and do like uh, the film festival circuit. Then I've I'm mainly a photographer. Where are you um, from? So I was born in South Bend, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad taught philosophy at Notre Dame. Oh my god, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but my whole family's from North Carolina, and so I was the only one born in Indiana. But I lived most of my life in in Wilmington, North Carolina. When did you come out to California? 2013. Did you go straight to Napa or were you somewhere else? Straight to Napa. What brought you to Napa? So it was a funny set of circumstances where uh, I was doing the sound mix for the short films I was directing at Skywalker and Marin. Oh, cool. And then staying with a family. Wait, who- how did that happen? So (laughs) we can't like breeze over that. So, so what was funny was my first, how did uh, you get into documentaries? So, uh, kind of by accident, by just not wanting to write something like writing was so difficult and I just wanted to direct something. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I I found this, uh, barber shop in the mountains of North Carolina, uh, where there were two barbers who worked there, one for 60 years, the other one for 45 years. Mm-hmm. And there was like a bluegrass jam in the back room of the shop and just like amazing music, great musicians. And so the first film festival I went to with that, I was watching another short film 
and the credits roll. And it said like post-production sound services by Skywalker sound. And I was like, wait, how did this, what, like, how did this guy do this for a short film? And so the next short film that I did, I just emailed, like I do that thing <laughs> yeah, where I cool. figure out the email structure of the company. Yeah. Where it's like a dot Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Like, like first initial, <laughs> last name, last name dot first initial. And then I emailed the guy mm-hmm. and uh, just said, Hey, can I send you the first thing? Uh, that I made and he said yeah and then uh, they let me do sound mix there and I uh, couldn't afford a hotel and so like uh, this family that I used to buy wine from in Napa uh, Herb and Jennifer Lamb they let me stay at their house And so they would let me stay there whenever I went out to Skywalker. You were Skywalker. already a wine connoisseur at this time buying wine from a small family in yeah. Napa? Yeah. That's- I was I was a Lonely, nerdy college student that was like... Where did you go to college? Uh, so I went to three different colleges and I graduated from none of them. <laughs> uh, I went to UNC Wilmington for my freshman year. I went to Harvard for my sophomore no, year. No, you did not go to Harvard. I did. And then I for went... what? To, uh, for, I was a visiting undergraduate. Oh. I found like a side door into Harvard. <laughs> and and then I went to Carolina for two years. Cool. But then I was, I I didn't take any prerequisites Mm -hmm. for four years. Mm. And so I was, you just took all the fun classes. I just took, I was just like, whatever you can only learn in academia. Mm. Because with film, it occurred to me that like filmmaking is a practiced craft, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you can go learn that because people are doing it, but all these these other things that would make you a good director, uh, literature, psychology, philosophy, like art. It's easier to learn that in sort of academia. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, you know, my education's for me. So, uh, you know, am I, am I going to need physics? I I was just like, I'm just going to take what I want. That's what I did with Parsons. Like my only classes left are like algebra two. And like, (laughs) like I'm not going to take that class. Yeah. So they, they, uh, and then transferring twice and going between a state system and an Ivy system, like nothing matches. Mm -hmm. And so they were like, I had my first meeting with an advisor my junior year and she was like, what have I you been you doing? I advise you to not do anything. You yeah, do. And, and so she was like, you're a year and a half. You, you, it would take you an extra year and a half to, to graduate, including That's summer stupid. school. And yeah. I was like, I'm done. Yeah, good. I did, I did four years. If anyone saw where I went in my grades and they didn't want to hire me because I didn't have the piece of paper, it's like I wouldn't want to work a, yeah, for That's them. what like, I always, always consider and think about, too, is like yeah. that shit. Doesn't matter unless you want to be like a doctor, you know, it applies yeah. for certain right. careers, of course, but right. for what any of we, there's no way. Right. Yeah. You can tell if someone's smart or talented, you yes. don't need like no the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're doing an occupation where people could die, <laughs> I get it. Fair. You, you want the piece of paper for the pilot and the doctor, yes. right? Yes. Like you mm-hmm. want, but, but anything else, it's just like, are, are you smart? Are you a hard worker? Are you talented? Did your dad, did he care about you graduating? No. Yeah, I'm sure. No, neither, neither of my parents. It was just. How long did he teach for? Oh man. 
I don't know, a long time, maybe 20 years, something like, that, like wow. a long time. What was that like having a professor father? Um, Did he have like, in, was he pushing academia in a way that was no because it's a he's a philosopher. a philosopher so he doesn't care no yeah <laughs> yeah but i didn't know if he was like trying to be like you know it's important that you as a teacher being like you know what i mean if you yeah. had those like um teacher decorum yeah no i think i think i think with my parents they just cared that i was learning like mm-hmm. they they knew i was always a curious person would he ask intense questions at the dinner table no, like if, he left if the anything, if any, in the classroom. If, if anything, like that was always the, uh, the difference between like my sister and I growing up is I would be the why kid mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she was like, cause that's the way it is, you know, <laughs> like shut up. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I, I think that there is just a, you know, an, an encouragement for curiosity about things mm-hmm. in general. Um, and so what then made you take the leap to, by the way, for anyone who hasn't, which is probably many of you who haven't been to Napa, it's a little tiny town. Yeah. It's not a big no place. No. And it's a lot, it's a place that a lot of people visit. Yeah. So. So. I don't, be an interesting I don't place know to if live. you know this about me. What? I was married at the time. Oh, Do you know this about me? Like, Do we talk about this? This has come up at like a very uh, okay. drunk moment. Okay, good. good at good, dinner, good. but we haven't good, good. taken a deep dive so, into so it. So that was a thing where I wanted to move to LA mm-hmm. at the time. But I also loved Napa mm-hmm. and I love Skywalker. Like I had an experience in 2012 working on a short film. And I flew out from the East Coast, went to L.A. for color correction, mm-hmm. and then drove to San Francisco for sound mix. And color correction was at, like, eFilm in Hollywood. And you, I'm so stoked. I'm working with talented people. Like, you know, you're in a real setting where people are doing these things. And you have a long mm-hmm. work day. And then at the end of the day, Literally, a security guard would escort you across the street to the parking lot with the barbed wire fence around it so, like, you don't get jumped. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Skywalker and you have a eight-hour day, you know, working with people hard on a thing. And at the end of the day, you take your bicycle back to the inn <laughs> and you're, like, bicycling through uh, vineyards and their wild turkeys and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, man, like, this is nice. Yeah. And also I was at a weird point where my films were all doing well. They were playing at great festivals. They were winning awards, but I made like very wholesome films. Mm -hmm. And so I never played Sundance or South by. And if you're going to do national like commercial directing, Mm -hmm. think all the agencies want you to do one of those two. And so they would like take a meeting they would give me one small job a year. But I used to say like, if I move to LA now, I'm one of like 10,000 guys with glasses, a beard and a camera who mm-hmm. can like make you a thing. Mm-hmm. But what happened in Napa was I had gotten super nerdy about wine for like two to three years. At but the hold end on. Of I want to pause really quick. You didn't want to make an, 
a more avant-garde, not wholesome film to try to go in that direction. You just can't force that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's if- an interesting personality trait because I think some people would be like, oh, they get to this step this is my this is what i need to do and and, And you were like i that's not and and i know i like you would meet those people on the festival circuit that it's like they would do films that yeah and you're sort of like you don't feel the way about your subject like you're saying it like Mm -hmm. you're you're acting like you have an empathetic view of your subject and and instead i feel like you're making fun of them and like Mm -hmm. this is getting you into like edgy territory and Mm -hmm. you like that and so like that and and so that was just never me it's a funny thing yeah people will get like obsessed with their subject it becomes their whole life yeah and then those p and then it's like then that project is over right. and it almost feels it's weird like the the documentary violating. thing especially like you're like are you are you taking advantage of this person you know or do you like do, and you can meet people and talk to them and see their films and know okay they love this person who's yeah. very quirky and weird versus like are you exploiting this quirky and weird person because like this is the type of thing that like vice likes now. And yeah, so yeah. like that, you know, or like I can get in Sundance because they like quirky and weird. Yep. And so I had gotten super into wine for a couple of years and then stopped buying it just to make films. I was like, this is happening way too early in my life. Wine's going to have <laughs> nothing to do with my life. I need to be making films. And so when I was out staying with Herb and Jennifer Lamb in 2010, just happened to be during harvest and so i have my camera on me mm. and they were like they knocked on the door at 6 a.m come help us pick fruit and like go sort of the winery and and so i took some photos i took some video and then another winery the next year asked me to come back and do that because how had they seen those images just through their neighbor like everyone follows everyone else the yeah, wineries and all and all that and they were like oh who did this because again, they're they're I think between eight hundred and a thousand bonded wineries in the Napa Valley. There's if you want to be a director so or photographer that, that many. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't live there, right? Yeah. And so I came back and then it occurred to me, I was like, Oh, I know this. Yeah. I know this whole industry. I know I know who everyone is and who the good wineries are and who the wineries that you wouldn't want to work for are. And so, uh, and also my, uh, wife at the time was just like, no to LA. And so I was like, okay, this will be like a little stepping stone. Totally. But then what happened was I thought it was going to be like this little stepping stone. And then I got massively sucked into it within a year mm-hmm. because of the fact that they they were in a moment where everyone realized they had to take websites seriously all of a sudden and like Instagram, like Napa was always 10 years behind everyone else. Yep. So it was simple. The roadmap forward was always simple. You would see it. You're just like, everyone else is doing these things. Mm -hmm. You just need to be doing these things, but there was no one there to do them. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved there, there, there was no one doing what I was doing. And, and then as you would find other photographers or things like that, they also just didn't understand what they were shooting. 
So like the the common thing in in Napa is photographers who in fall they see vines with red leaves and they're like, oh, the red leaves are so pretty. Like some are yellow and some are red. And they go take photos of the red leaves because it's like a brighter color. Mm -hmm. Well, a red leaf means the vine has virus. And so <laughs> that means it's a poorly managed vineyard and the wine quality is not going to be as good. Amazing. And it's like people are putting that on their websites, Amazing. you know, or photographers like, here you go. And the winery is like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Like, take photos of the other ones. Yeah. And so, uh, and you being a wine nerd, you know, I just all got to be, anyway. I just got to be a big fish in a small pond very quickly just because there was so little competition. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. And those are kind of the choices that define us, right? And everybody has a different opinion. Sometimes you don't even know who to ask to help get an opinion. And that's why it's really great to talk to someone, whether you're dealing with decisions around your career or relationships or anything else. Therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you move forward with confidence and excitement about your decision, trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values. Like anything, the more you practice it, the easier that it gets. I have benefited from therapy many times in my life. And especially when these big decisions or kind of like life moments happen and I don't know what to do. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, I would highly suggest giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which is so amazing. And I think about all the times that I had like driven 45 minutes or an hour, or got stuck in traffic or had to rearrange my day or to see a therapist that I didn't even really want to see because changing a therapist felt like such a daunting, crazy task. We don't have to deal with that anymore. Let therapy be your map. With BetterHelp, visit betterhelp.com slash Pia today and you get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Pia. It is 1 million degrees. And we have multiple dogs that lay in our bed. Davide runs hot. I run hot. Our priority at night is staying cool. Summer is in full swing and Brooke Lennon is here to help you swap out winter warmth or easy, breezy comfort with their award-winning sheets and home essentials. We have just completely redone all of our bedding for Brooklinen. I even got new pillows. I got pillow covers. Brooklinen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicky in 2014, and their mission has been to provide their customers with hotel-quality luxury bedding delivered directly to your door at a very fair price. According to Wirecutter and Good Housekeeping, they have the best in-class bedding. You can Google that. I also got I also got the bedding because I Googled what's the best bedding? <laughs> what's the best, most affordable bedding? And all over the internet, everyone keeps raving about Brooklinen. If you don't trust me, there are a hundred thousand five-star customer reviews, which is just unbelievable. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite cheat. 
And while there's no such thing as the perfect sleep, there is the ideal fabric for every kind of sleeper. So cool off with their classic Percal weave or try the best-selling buttery smooth luxe sateen sheets. We have the Percal and I cannot tell you enough. Davide was complaining about the sheets we had before and he I didn't tell him we got new sheets. He got into bed and he was like, what is this? It was instant satisfaction. Brooklinen is the perfect way to build your own indoor oasis to escape the heat. The options are endless. So do yourself a favor of simplifying your shopping by bundling bed, bath, and both. You can save time and up to 25% when you bundle, which is like so awesome. So stop in their online store at Brooklinen today and give yourself the cooling sleep that you deserve this summer. Use promo code BEST20 for 20% off your online purchase of $100 or more plus free shipping on brooklinen.com. Also, the customer service on their website is a damn 10. There is nothing that I don't love about Brooklinen. Nothing. That is B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use code BEST20 for $20 off plus free shipping. What's it like living there? Such a special place. Uh, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, you know, would I have moved there if I was single and, you know, 30? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great place to be settled. You know, St. Helena is a town of like 5,000 people. We probably have like more Michelin starred restaurants no, per capita so than anywhere. What a weird but bubble it is. If you like Asian food, you're out of luck. Yeah. Right. There's that one Thai place, right? There's there's like one every every town has like one, you know, Thai place or Chinese restaurant, but there's just not much going on, you know? And and people are very into routine and things being the same. But what I love about it is the undercurrent of the Napa Valley is people who are kind of makers and doers. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the winemakers and the chefs and everything else is LA is like a literally a town of gatekeeping. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, if there's any kind of person in a creative industry that you admired and you would like to have a conversation with good luck. Yeah. Right. So they have an assistant who's going to tell you no, or an mm-hmm. agent who's going to tell you no, or mm-hmm. you, if you walked up to them at a restaurant, they would look at you like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And in Napa, if you want to talk to any of your favorite winemakers or chefs, like they're at the bar at one of three places totally. and you can just go talk to them. And what I love is like, I joke the difference between Napa and LA is Napa is a place where people make things and LA is a place where people talk about making things. (laughs) And so I've been able to do all these projects like, like the wine that I make. And then I made a whiskey in 2018 with uh, Christopher Costow and St. George spirits. And all of these things were 20 minute conversations and people were like, yeah, let's do it. it, And then it's done. Mm -hmm. There was no, Hey, so, you know, how's this going to work? And what's the, it was just sort of like, this sounds fun. And so we'll figure it out. And then, you know, when we were growing corn for the whiskey, you, you, we needed two plots of land because corn cross pollinates. So we couldn't just use the restaurants, one farm. Mm. And Christopher said to me, just like float it out there for a little bit. Like we need, we need irrigated farmland that, that, that we can use. And it's like, wait, what? Like, 
we're just going to find, you know, a half acre of the irrigated empty land that someone's yeah, took two days. Yeah. And so what was your like, means for floating it out? There were these text messages or just like say, no, saying it to like a bar, a bar restaurant, bar. like you say to someone, Hey, do you know anyone who's like got some <laughs> land that maybe it's like a big garden or they had a farmer or they had some and, and everyone knows everybody. I mean, that's the small town thing. Yeah. Everybody's famous in a small town, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't go to sunshine market in St. Helena and not have 10 different conversations with people, which again, Good and a bad thing. It mm-hmm. just, <laughs> yeah, just depends, depends on how you how you feel about it. Uh, but what I love is like where I live is safe. <laughs> I'm on a decent sized chunk it's of land. It's safe besides the fires, man. It's safe besides the fires. Yeah. Yeah. 2020, that fire started a mile down from my road. But, you know, well, I've got olive trees and fruit trees and their vineyards on the road and, and streams and everything. And so... It's just a beautiful place to be yeah, and a nice little base. But especially these days, after like two weeks there, I just get a little antsy. Yeah. Well, like, you're coming down here so much now. I know. Yeah. So it's. But it's, I think it's nice to have that as your base because I can't. Yeah. Because by the way, like even. Like Pasadena, this is still like a full. I live in like a full city, but like we're so removed from downtown West Hollywood, like. I had to go to West Hollywood this morning and I was like, oh, get me out of here. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. so wild. Yeah. Like, and so to have, we feel like we're majorly downshifting being in Pasadena. Yeah. And like Napa, every time we go up there, Davide is like, should we live here? Yeah. Should we yeah, live yeah, here? yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. Look, look, look up how much that place is. I was yeah. like, that place, that fucking yeah, that shoebox is, is yeah. $10 million. It's $10 million. So I don't know what's terrible fucking carpet weird. in it. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, it was a tear town. So, yeah. If you want to, I, I was like, if you want to make, try to figure out how to make that money, do right. it. Also, like, what, like, how are, yeah, I, it was like, it's his weird fantasy, but it is very reflective of a small Italian village. So it's comfortable yeah. and safe for him. Yeah. He loves that, you know? I mean, that's the thing is like, you're, you're, I'm in LA. I wouldn't mind living there. I get I, it. I'm in LA for a week and then, you know, you'll be someplace in insane traffic for no reason at like 2 p.m. That's on a what Sunday. Dominic always said. There's what, where is it? There's no reason. There's no well, reason. I need to ask everybody where they're going. I go, where are we going? Where are people going right. somewhere too? Right. And then you're like, okay, it's, <laughs> it's time to go back home. And then you like, when I drive home half the time, when I get to Napa, the sun is setting. So nice. And so like the sun is setting over, over the mountains and like, the vineyards are just golden and you're like, okay, this is pretty great. <laughs> you have that gross four hours in between where it just smells like I ca- just pass out. Shit. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, yeah, I always tell people I just like black out and then, and then Harris ranch. Do you like, stop at Harris ranch? No, no, what? you don't stop to get gas or a little coffee or anything. No, I don't stop at Harris. That was ranch. always got- my parents used, we would, it was like, we would stop at Harris ranch for lunch. They used to have, glasses shaped like cowboy boots and they were tall they were big it wasn't like a short fatty it was like a tall fucking and i would be able to get my like soda in there and we would say you know we'd buy them or my or we would like my brothers would like take one and we had so many of the cowboy boot glasses in here from harris ranch that's funny herb lamb used to he used to tell me to stop there used to be a a thing like a it was like a more, tourist destination it, yeah it was more of a thing also the things that i it's so funny the things that i thought that my 
dad was like, this is really nice. Like when I was little and I believed him. And now right. I'm like, we stop at Harris Ranch and I'm like, what? Like, right, <laughs> right, right, right. But we, right. I do love stopping there for like a burger on the way back or something yeah. sometimes. But. Yeah. No, it's funny. So tell me, you would you take the, would you always take the five when you would go up? Yeah. He would just be smoted up there. We would take the five. My dad had a, had a van with velvet interior and the two bucket seats that rotated in the middle. Oh, man. And then the couch, and then the, it was like a couch in the back that would pull out to like lay flat and like yeah. an old school TV. And so I would just lay back there watching movies and it was totally, and, or yeah. and then all my brothers would pile in like a lot of our home videos are, they used to rent this house that was tiny and cute. And it was on a big pond and there were cows on one side. And so, and then they remodeled it one year and it the, like, we went back like two years later and it looked like a fucking restoration hardware house. It was like <laughs> yeah. so fucking beautiful. Yeah. Like yeah. it went from being like a little shithole and then we couldn't afford to rent it anymore. Yeah, it was it's like all expensive. restoration hardware houses up there. It was like, it didn't have a wraparound deck and the thing, but we would, so many of our family videos are there and we would drive up, always stop at Napa Valley olive oil. And yep. that's where he would get all of our food for yeah. the week. Yeah. And then he would, but they have, oh my God, I have to show them to you. I wonder where they are. We just organized all of our photos. I have to show them to you before you leave. We got, you got to take photos of them and talk to my mom about it. They have all, my mom, God bless her hoarding, has all her receipts from French, from the original French laundry. Oh, amazing. When the with Schmitz the were there. prices yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. what they drank. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And it's like, it's gotta be the bill was like 130. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like crazy. And she was yeah. like, there was always a cat in the window that would sleep in the kitchen. Yeah. And Napa at that point was, it wasn't, it was so small. There weren't that many people there. It was kind of like this hippie destination. That's what like I'm Like the Calistoga pottery that. people. Yeah. Like, do you ever talk to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was, they were my parents' age. It was that, it was, I think when my parents were going, they were probably, they were my age now, you know? And they were yeah. kind of like- this is our special place where we can eat this food that yeah. was like so advanced. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, cause at that time it at was at that time. And in Pasadena there was like the Royal chop house had just opened, which has had the same menu since I was like, I was born. Like the owner always jokes that and it was cute when we brought Carmela there when she was born, because I was under the table in a carrier. Yeah, yeah. But my mom was like, that was, adjacent to like what was happening in Napa was that restaurant. And it was yeah. this very like this California with a right. hint of French. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. exactly what you don't want to ever hear again. Right. It's, <laughs> it's farm to table. We're a little the, the, bit yeah, different. <laughs> it's a seasonal farm to table right? and you're like falling asleep at seasonal the table. Farm to table with and a you're like, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You go to the farmer's market. What? Like you have purveyors that you're partners with. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So it's, it is funny to think about that. Like when all of that was new and exciting, uh -huh. you know, it was, and it was completely a different, but it, but I need to take her up there because every time we go up, she she gets emotional on FaceTime and I'm like, I need to just yeah. take her up there yeah, for yeah, yeah. a weekend and just have a give cute. her wine and let her cry. And she needs the wine and she needs just to cry. Like we went to where their old plot of land was and a crisp Chardonnay and she needs a, tears. Yeah. You know. She needs a crisp shard for sure. <laughs> <laughs> she just gets so like, ah. but it is so there's something about 
like what my dad was chasing. It's like what you're chasing. It's what I see Davide chasing. It's this peaceful connection to land. Yeah. It's like very primal. Yeah. With hardworking people. And then adjacent to like extreme wealth, which is like, you know what I mean? So there's like an aspiration there of what you can be if you work hard enough, but then you're surrounded by people who are working hard, like labor jobs, which are salt to the earth people, you know, the people who like are working these. And what's interesting about the other people, the very successful people is that, um, you know, anyone who can afford basically a big house or a vineyard or to start a winery in Napa has done pretty well doing something else. Mm -hmm. And so what's kind of cool about Napa is that you meet all these people who have incredibly interesting backgrounds or they're very talented people in what they do. Mm -hmm. And people that, like we said about gatekeeping, their guard is down because they're in Napa and they're there to relax. You don't have that. We're all here to relax. You go to dinner and you are you're talking to the person you go to the bar like everyone is friendly yeah we went to i can't remember where it was but we had dinner years ago davide and i went up there because my friend's mom used to manage calistoga ranch yeah r.i.p and we were having we were like we were having the best fucking night just the two of us like we got up to dance next to our table. Yeah. The restaurant was kind of empty. Like we were just like the world was ours. And there was this fucking awesome man that had this like big presence sitting yeah. across from us with a fuck ton of wine on the table right. and started talking to us. And then and then he was like, come sit down. And oh, we were yeah. like drinking. He was like, I yeah, want to yeah. tell you. So this is this year. This is this. But right. this one has a little bit of this. Yeah. And it was like, Davide was like, that was so fucking great. like that yeah. feels like Italy like, you know right yeah it's that kind of community essence and there's something that I think that switches on with people to be in that mode because there's yeah. so many people that I've become friends with that I've thought if if they met me in their normal context there's no, no way, way. <laughs> there is no way like some of these people, there's no way if I saw them or met them in LA mm-hmm. or like it just never would have happened. It's like this weird permission happens to relax or something. Yeah. Or take this. Every, everyone's just like, look, no one, no one has an agenda. It's Napa. Totally. Your agenda is to eat drink. and drink and take a nap. Yeah, and like, totally. that's it. And so it just, it is the most hospitable place and it kind of, it, it was funny how m- my friends in LA who were all kind of in filmmaking, how after I moved to Napa, they were just like, what are these things that you're like, you're at dinners all the time. There are all these dinner. extravagant dinners. Mm-hmm. And like, what's that for? And you're like, well, it's not really for anything. It's what people do. You know, it's just what people do. Or mm-hmm. like uh, someone would say, oh, come over for dinner. And I would come over to their house with a bottle of wine. And they're like, oh, what's the bottle of wine for? No. And I'm like dinner. And they're like, well, does like the restaurant has wine. Right. And I, and I just realized like my relationship, especially like in my, in my thirties, yeah. right. Like my early thirties, my relationship to food and wine and everything was just so different 
from my peers. Mm -hmm. They were like, well, wine is a thing that you buy a bottle or two at the time at the grocery store the day that you're going to drink it. Yeah, no. And it's not something that you just take friends and it's not something that you hang on to. And it's not, but it's like, no, this is, this is just what people do. Like it's, it's a very hospitality driven place. I think teaching people about the importance of like, you know what we didn't do and I need to do it and I'm upset about it is when Carmela was born, we wanted to go up to Napa and buy. Oh, do some birth year stuff. We do birth year stuff. And yeah. I, and I still just need to go get it. But Wait, like, what's her birth year? Uh, t- uh, 21. Oh, that's a great year. I know. Yeah. So we need to go. Well done. We should go up and do some testing and see oh, what cases also, we want to buy. By the way, you're not too late. Uh, no, no, I the know. The 21s I'm not too, are going to be released in like a year. Yeah, when yeah. I wanted to do it sooner. You know what yeah. I mean? But like. But there's nothing to taste. There, I know. Yeah. It's, it's just a barrel. So like you'll. But 21 is was a great. Yeah. Great we, let's have a nice. We should do it. She's two. We should do it. It's a, let's do it this summer. Yeah. Because it's. Do a little tour. But I think that what my dad taught, like, you know, so we have our cellar, obviously, which you've seen. And yeah. I think it's, it's not a, I think once you understand that buying wine is tied back to a year in experience, a memory, it becomes this whole different world. Yeah. And my dad always taught me that like they would go, like when we go into the basement, like look at the wine, which, you know, my poor dad was like sick for the last like 15 years of his life. And it kind of, but like every time we had a dinner party here or every Christmas, it would be like, he would go down to the basement and like pick out the wine yeah. that we were going to have with that meal. And he yeah. would say like, it's storytelling. I was, I was with yeah. Rutherford, you know, yeah. the, and then we saw his wife. And so we yeah. tried this and oh my God, we had the best meal that day. Yeah. And we had, then we went to this little stream or then we yeah. watched the sunset doing this thing. And when we got with that trip where Davide and I went up for the first time, my dad kept calling. I don't know why he was like in love with Frank family for a minute. Yeah. Which is not, it's such good wine, but it's yeah. not like, right. and he was like, I want you to go to Frank. I really want you to go to Frank. And so we went and bought him a bunch of reserve. Yeah. Whatever reserve they had at the time, but it was called the Patriarch. Right. And I was like, perfect. And we yeah. bought this case of Patriarch and the night he died, uh-huh. which was literally right behind you. We went, they like took his body and we, it was me and my best friend and my mom and Davide and it was like 730 yeah. and it just was, and his like body was gone. And we were like, what the fuck do we do? And we Drink opened the Patriarch yeah, yeah. and I was uh, like, yeah. And I was like, that's exactly what he would have yeah. wanted yeah, yeah, yeah. us to do. I, I had it so backwards. So when, when I was uh, buying wine and getting nerdy about wine, I never visited Napa or any wine country because I was like, I would rather use that money for a plane ticket and a hotel to buy more wines to drink because I thought of it was sort of like, I just want varied experience and this and that. (laughs) But then, like you said, it being connected to place becomes so important. And when was the first time you went? Um, 2009 maybe, or 2010. And it was, I'd heard about, so Herb and Jennifer Lamb, who I stayed with, I had heard about them and people said, we love this experience because it's not, you're not in a tasting room. You're on these people's back porch who own 
the the vineyard and it's their dogs and they set up a cheese plate and like Jennifer's going to give you vegetables from her garden in a little plastic bag. Wait, I want to do this. Oh yeah. Well, it burned down, but no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, but it was. Oh god. Geez. They had the most amazing view. I mean, how often do you hear me talk about parallel? I can't rave about it enough. By the way, there's not. Like a single, I mean, almost every person I know in my life is taking whatever parallel packet is appropriate for their life stage, which I just think is so incredible. Parallel is the first and only OBGYN founded vitamin offering targeted vitamin routines for all the unique stages of a woman's hormonal life. Like I just said, so this is like pre-kids through pregnancy into postpartum, and they aren't just a prenatal vitamin brand either. All of these products are meticulously formulated by a founding team of world-class doctors, including OEGYNs, maternal fetal medicine doctors, endocrinologists, and then they partner with functional medicine doctors and nutritionists and even doulas. So it's really the first product that I've ever encountered that both Western and Eastern medicine practitioners can absolutely agree on. I have been taking them on multi-pack since Carmella until I switched to the conception pack Davide takes the men multi because fertility is truly 50-50. And I'm going to tell you this. I absolutely do not go a single day without taking the PCOS support. I take two pills twice a day. What a life-changing supplement. And why I love the PCOS support so much is it has everything that I was taking separately. And I always tell you this, but it's the same thing I went through with my, with like trying to get pregnant, right? Everyone told me, oh, you want this, you want this, you want this, you want that. I bought all this stuff. There were so many bottles everywhere. I don't know how much I was supposed to be taking of each. It was really exhausting and it was expensive. And Parallel just did that for you. So everything you need is in these packets. Same thing with the PCOS. It has both kinds of inositol. It has DIM. It has alpha-lipoic acid. It has berberine. It has everything. It's just incredible. All Parallel packets are under $50 a month when you subscribe. That's less than $2 a day. Each parallel pack comes with a 30-day supply of vitamins, all conveniently bundled together in a recyclable daily packet. So they're easy to travel with. They're easy to throw on your bag. There's no excuse to stay on top of your routine. Exclusively for Everything is Best listeners, Parallel is offering 15% off your first three months of Parallel with code BEST15. So head to Parallel.co, that is P-E-R-E-L-E-L.co, and you can cancel anytime with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Un Femme Wine is premium, award-winning, woman-made sparkling wines that give back to charities that benefit women. I mean, really, what more could you ask for? Unfem can be found on the wine list at some of the best restaurants and luxe hotels like the St. Regis and the Ritz-Carlton, but it's also at Target and Sprouts and other fine retailers across the country. There's many places you can get this good stuff. The brand is all about uplifting, supporting, and building communities of women because when women gather, magic happens. Unfem's flagship wines, the Betty and the Cali, represent the very best in modern California winemaking. Betty is like this beautiful, light, versatile California sparkling white that my mom is currently drinking on like a daily basis. And it's Crafted in Unfem's signature dry, modern, fresh brood style, a percentage of the sales from the Betty, named after Betty White, is donated to Dress for Success. And the Cali is a 91-point award-winning sparkling rosé that is dry and juicy and crafted 
for Rosé all day, all year long. And a percentage of those sales go to the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, which is just incredible. The wines are beautifully balanced, in style, never sweet, thoughtfully produced, woman-made wines that give back. They are absolutely delicious and we're so proud to be able to serve them and then tell everyone what they're drinking. And when they say, oh my God, this is so good, we could say, hey, well, guess what? The Betty, what you're drinking, part of the proceeds go to Dress for Success. Oh, by the way, it's also women-owned. I mean, it's just like a great, just aligns with your values and it's nice. Go to uf.wine slash best and find Umfem Wines at a retailer near you and get $5 off per bottle, a deal for my darling podcast listeners. That is uf.wine slash B-E-S-T to learn more. Restrictions may apply. Please drink responsibly. And of course, you must be 21 years or older. Are they rebuilding? Uh, the vineyard is rebuilt, but the house, like at this point, Jennifer's older. So she's moved to a, a different spot. Aww. Like, I don't know if she's going to rebuild the house there, but they had this amazing view. It was the most peaceful place. And then what was funny was the first time that I opened one of their wines, uh, back on the East coast after visiting for the first time. Because if you had asked me before, what does like Herb Lamb smell like, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be like, well, it's, it's a little more like blue fruit, like blueberries. And then, and then there's a, there's a slight like herbaceousness to it and that kind of thing. And, and I would be a nerd about it. And then the first time that I opened up one after we had visited, like a few months after, I remember smelling it and saying, this smells like Jennifer's back porch, you know, like it's a thing that transports you then to a place. Mm -hmm. And then once you have that emotional connection versus this wine, wine and people who get into wine can, can a lot of people make it like a sweet 16 about like what vintage is better than other vintages. What, what vineyard is better than this and that. And, and about, isolating flavors and identifying and it's like none of that matters you know it's it's all just about like the most important experiences people have you can tell me it's tied to a place it's tied to the friends you were with it's Mm -hmm. tied to the food that you were having or like you said the story of the guy at the table and this and that and then the the other edge to that sword that happens all the time is people say to me, they're like, hey, can you come taste this wine? I'm like, what do you mean? I bought a case of this wine. Uh, I was up in Sonoma doing wine tasting. I bought a case of this wine. I think something's wrong with it. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? I, it, was, it was so good at the winery. And I bought a case. And then I got home. And then I don't know if there's something that that maybe has gone wrong with a bottle or the, and then uh, I would open it up and and we would drink it. And I would just think, so I would say like, did you, so you visited this place? They were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were you with friends? Oh yeah. There were like six of us. Well, um, were you was, it, was it your first visit? No, it was like our third winery of the day. Yeah. It was a pretty day. 
Oh yeah, it was a pretty day. It was like gorgeous. It's like eighty degrees, sunny. It's like yeah, you were just having a good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The wine has always been like this. They're like, no, no, no. It was really good at the winery, and it's like, no, it's just bad wine. But but you had a good time, and so good. For oh my you. god, like, that's so funny. You know, happens to people all the time, where it's like they're just high on the experience of the stories that's and the so place and everything, and then they apply it to the wine, and then they get back home. And they're like, wait, this isn't the. <laughs> yeah. Wait, where is the fa- like, where is the it's charming like, family? Yeah. And it's all my best you're drinking friends this now and the good at, food. In your sad little home <laughs> after a bad day of work, you know, and you're just going to like watch Netflix and uh. eat your DoorDash. So like, it's not the same as like being in a beautiful vineyard, you know, in the sun with your friends. You've been drinking all day. How did you get into making wine? Uh, so I. Uh, became friends with a winemaker that was uh, making wine for my first like uh, photo client. And he, I, I, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but I love people who have specialized knowledge and who can see things that other people can't see. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of knew wine from a consumer standpoint. Right. Uh, but from a making standpoint, all of that, even though wineries would talk about it, it all seemed like a little bit of a mystery to me, which, you know, so much of wine is like the storytelling of the magic of things and and not really like, OK, no, this is what it's like. And this is why this is this way. And this is that way. And uh, I did a photo shoot of them visiting th- these eight different vineyards that they source from. So we go to the first vineyard. And you know how it is. You go to Napa and it's like endless vineyard that all looks the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So we go in one vineyard and we're chit chatting. I'm taking photos and he's fine. And then we go in the next vineyard and he's pissed and he's looking at the vines like so pissed off. Like, what is this? And what are these people? Oh God, I got to call this guy. And I'm like, this looks like the same thing that we just saw. Yeah. Like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And he was like, well, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And then like, keep that all in your head. And then we went to a different vineyard um, that was managed by David Abreu, who's like the best vineyard manager in Napa. And he's like, okay, now look at this, look at this, look at this, look Mm -hmm. at this. And it started to click. And then he would let me hang out at the winery and we would taste stuff out of barrels and taste stuff during fermentation and talk about like the chemistry of winemaking and, and uh, phenolics of grapes and all these things. And it started like clicking a little more and we got talking about wine that got us into wine. And I mentioned uh, Charbonneau. So when I was in college, I was already interested in filmmaking. I had just gotten nerdy about wine and I came across this bottle of wine on a little auction website where you could buy like one bottle at a time, you know, instead mm-hmm. of like cases of wine. And it was a bottle of wine that Francis Ford Coppola made for friends and family as no. a Christmas gift in 1982. No. And so it was not commercially sold. No. And the label says, Merry Christmas, 1982, like a big wreath from Francis Ford, Eleanor, Sophia, Roman, Giancarlo Coppola. And when I was in college, Roman's film CQ came out. Sophia made Lost in Translation. Oh my God. I was like, this is so cool. They were like, they were kids, you know? 
Eleanor had had uh, made that great documentary about Apocalypse Now, and I'm like, this is a label with like all these great oh filmmakers on it. God, it was a Charbonneau, and I was like, I've never heard of this grape, and so as a result, I think Did you buy it. So it was a 1980 vintage. And I bought it for 15 bucks. That's how much the fucking bottle was. And I think it was because everyone was like, what is this grape? Do you still and have it? Yeah. 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 So I kept it. Are you ever going to drink it? Oh, no, I drink it, but was I it still good? have the bottle. So, yeah. So it was amazing where I was having older Napa wines at the time that I Who was. Who did you have it with? Uh, my family. Christmas of 2006. Cute. I was like, you know, it's a Christmas bottle. I'll drink it at Christmas. So. All the old Napa wines I had had at the time, I sort of, you're like meeting it halfway. You're like, oh, there's still a little bit of life in there. Mm-hmm. And like, it, but it's, it's all kind of pruney and like a little, it, you, you could tell it's over the hill. And this Charbonneau was bright and lively and fruity and fresh. And I was like, this is crazy that this is so good. Mm-hmm. So I emailed my retailer in North Carolina and I was like, can I get more Charbonneau? And he goes like, what's that? And so then I started looking it up and then find out that it's a grape that used to be widely planted by the original Italian immigrants in the 1800s. But then when a Cabernet won the Paris tasting in 1976, everyone ripped out all the old heritage varieties, Uh. started playing cab. Right. And so there are only 65 acres of this grape left in the country and 40 of those are in the Napa Valley. Right. So I used to, and what was crazy is he said, Oh, I found you one guy who makes it. I'll send you his price list. And uh, this guy, Robert Foley made it. And the price list was like Robert Foley, Claret, 105 Foley Merlot, 70 <laughs> Foley Petit Sirah, 65 Foley Charbonneau, 18. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> you know, I'm in yeah. college. I'm like, this is yeah. Perfect. And, uh, so I always kept the bottle. I kept that Coppola bottle. Right. And so then when I moved to Napa, I remember saying, Oh, it'd be cool to do something like that someday. And, uh, I was talking to Benoit about Charbonneau and he's like, what's that? And I was like, you've never heard of it. Hmm. Cause he was like at the time skyrocketing towards being like the hotshot winemaker of Napa Valley. And so I said, well, let's, let's get a couple bottles together and like taste them. So we get some bottles together and it's all like affordable wine. It's all like 30, $40 bottles of wine, but you could see, you could see his wheels turning mm-hmm. where he's like, oh, there's like the color's really good. The tannin's really good. And I found out all this stuff later that those are all antioxidant properties. So the reason why it ages so well. Like the, one of the, one of the reasons why they say, oh, drink red wine. It has antioxidants because of the tannin, mm-hmm. right? So just like tannins and tea and tea is good for you. So that is fighting the little bit of oxygen in that bottle that is aging the wine, right? Uh... So in the same way that the antioxidants help us, mm-hmm. like it's helping the wine it's helping age. The wine. So his wheels are turning and then he sees, um, one of the bottles, he says, wait, Peter Heights makes Charbonneau. And I said, I, I don't know who's Peter Heights. He said, well, he's a winemaker at Turnbull. and We buy fruit from him. Let's go talk to Peter about Charbonneau. Uh, because we got in this discussion. Benoit was making these, you know, $150 and up Cabernets. And Charbonneau is a $30, $40 bottle of wine. Yeah. And so why is that? 
is that inherent in the grape or is it because everyone's been paying attention and putting all the love and care into cab? Mm -hmm. So we go talk to Peter and to put this in context, when I was in college, I wanted to find out about that Coppola bottle, right? So I emailed Ingelnuck, the winery that Coppola bought in the 80s that produced the bottle. My email went through 12 different people before one person knew that bottle had existed, but no one had ever seen one. Oh, wow. Like most people didn't know it existed. And Crazy. like one guy was like, oh, yeah, I know that that happened, but I've never actually <clears throat> seen a bottle of it. Who and put so, it online? I have no idea. I have no idea. And so uh, Peter, he's like, how do you know about Charbonneau? I tell him about the Coppola bottle. And he goes, oh, yeah, I know that bottle. And I was like, how do you know that bottle? And he goes, my grandmother grew those grapes. It's from my family's vineyard. No. And I'm like, we were like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. And it was because when Coppola bought Inglenook, they used to be the largest producer of Charbonneau. But Cabernet was the thing. So as soon as he bought it, he was like, we're ripping out oh, all the Charbonneau. No. We're doing Cabernet only. But they had a long-term lease with Peter's family that wasn't quite up yet. Mm -hmm. So they had to buy the fruit. And he was like, we don't have a place to put it. So let's just, let's just do like a little friends and family thing. And that's how that happened. And so we were like, well, this is so good. We have to do a little bit of wine for fun. Maybe it'll just be a Christmas gift for friends and family. Like, well, let's see how it goes. So we make a tiny amount of wine. But the idea was it's going to get a blank check. It's going to get the same treatment as these $200 Cabernets. Yeah. And then we're going to see how much we push the quality. And then the first week of fermentation, Benoit called me to his house because basically like the properties of the grape, the amount of flavor, the amount of tannin, the acid, all these other things was equal to fruit that he was paying four times as much oh, money shit. for. And then that's when it was like, oh, this is interesting. So maybe we should like go more into this. Now I want to open the bottle you just brought over. Which you can. <laughs> <laughs> but so we we decided to kind of make a high-end Charbonneau and price it the way that it should be priced so that the farmers can charge more for the fruit so they can afford to have it planted in the ground. Right. Right now, the average cost for Cabernet is double the cost for Charbonneau. So if it's double, you know, per one ton of fruit, but you get three to five tons per acre of land and you've mm -hmm. got 30 acres of land, you're all of a sudden losing a lot of money every year that you could be making if you just ripped it out yeah. planted Cabernet. And so the idea was, let's take a chance. I'm doing my photography. He has this other thing. So let's just do this for fun. But let's work to change the perception of the variety. Mm -hmm. And the first Psalm that we told we were doing this laughed because he thought we were joking. Mm -hmm. Like this isn't a thing that you do. Mm -hmm. But our first wine uh, restaurant placement was at the French Laundry. We have uh, broken every that major. That was your first? That was our first wine placement. And oh, my God. We have broken every major critics glass ceiling for what they would previously have rated a Charbonneau. Uh, we've been on one critics top 100 wines of the year list twice. No. We've been on one top 25 of the year twice. And so what's funny though, is like, it, it's 
the same way that like you and Davide do things where I'm it's bootstrapped. I have no employees, right. right? Like it's just a thing that's fun when it's at a restaurant. It's because I've had time to go there, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and like, I'm the one delivering the wine there. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> the, the joy in it, it's a thing that you couldn't, even if you wanted to scale it, there's not that much Charbono to, totally. to do it. But, uh, the joy is definitely in the making of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, like being able to, uh, to have friends have it, to have friends who have memories tied to it, mm-hmm. to be doing it for so long. This will be our 10th harvest this year. Oh, wow. That then it's funny that that's how when you have ask, a harvest party, uh, we like. We always do like breakfast burritos in the vineyard, like the morning. <laughs> like we've done like breakfast burrito buffets and stuff, and then we'll drink champagne and yeah, you know, yeah. uh, it's super fun. And it's funny how your life, all your memories, you tie back to vintages. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the the anchor that lets you remember. Oh, twenty eighteen was like this, and mm-hmm. oh, twenty seventeen, like this was going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's fun to have that that little bit in your life where you're like, okay, I remember this because of this wine. And then when you drink those wines, like you remember that year yes. and whatever you're doing at that time. But it's super fun. Well, thank you. I think this was like, I don't think people understand. That, that I think it was like probably a lot of the intention when it comes down to making wine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I think we have like a funny society that's like, yeah, wine, blah, blah, blah. but like yeah. collecting it, thinking about it, tying it back to a memory, the storytelling, the yeah. whole thing. It, it's not something that's very much taught unless you have someone in your family or in your right. circle that teaches that to you. So, I think the biggest shame is the fact that people treat the unknown, I feel like, with food with excitement and the unknown with wine with fear. Mm. That people are excited to try a new type of cuisine or a new restaurant that they haven't had before. But with wine, they're very much like, I, I don't want to mispronounce a thing. I don't okay. know about wine. Like, no one has ever slid you a menu and been like, I don't know a lot about food. Can you order? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know? And the biggest thing is, just talk. You, you don't have to know anything. Talk to your sum or talk to your retailer mm-hmm. and you say, I like this one. I don't like this one. What else do you recommend? Totally. And then they give you a couple more and you say, I like this. I didn't like this. And then you develop that relationship and then they can start explaining to you why mm-hmm. you like this and not this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it becomes personal. Then it's a mm-hmm. thing that you own. Then it's a thing that you feel confident with. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing with me, with people who are not, you know, quote unquote wine people is to just not be intimidated by it. And, and you like what you like. Yeah. And that's going to change, but just, just try different wines, drink different stuff, you know, and talk to people. I think it's also okay to say that something that everybody likes, you don't like, like, I don't really want to have a natural wine that's like funky anymore. And that was like a couple summers ago. It was like, everyone it was like let's open that funky red and let's open that and now i'm like i don't want anything funky anymore you know it gives me a stomach ache. yeah that's uh, when when i when i would I, I would try like natural wines in la but like i always tell the song clean 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 <laughs> like like it can be natty but just yeah, like give i don't me want a clean any wine funk. i don't i don't need i don't need kombucha i would order that if i wanted it <laughs> to, literally <laughs> 
Where can people find you? So there's, uh, you could buy off uh, the website, mattmorriswines.com. Uh, they've had it at Wally's. Uh, it's at Rustic Canyon at Birdie G's. It's at Bell's. It'll be at more places when I have Let's time go to Rustic Canyon the- soon. I, I would love that. I haven't been there in a really long New time. New chef. The chef from Botanica uh, went there. Really? Yeah. Oh, let's go there soon. Okay. Great deal. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember... Shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.